Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR, you're going to get a $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does each and every week on the DNVR Rockies podcast, he's the voice of the Colorado Rockies for at and Sportsnet. He's the host of the Drew Goodman podcast, our good buddy, Drew Goodman. How's it going this week? Uh, good, 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 good. Good day off yesterday. That was um, welcome. It's been uh, it's been a stretch where I know we had an off day in Atlanta, but it's been like day after day. So that was uh, that was nice to have an off day at home. Yeah, it's it's been a lot. I, I was curious to to ask you because there was no travel last year. Twenty twenty was the pandemic. Being gone for uh, a ten game road trip, an eleven day road trip, the longest uh, of the season until you know the end of the season you know how, how was that like being on the road in, in three cities for you and, and for some of the guys on the team that you've talked to you know i i've told you this before patrick i i enjoyed the travel the only time that it was tough was when my you know when my kids were were younger and they were playing and and um you know i couldn't be there that that was tough but um i do enjoy the travel i enjoy being in <coughs> excuse me in, in the other cities uh um you know, each city is unique. Um, this one was great from this standpoint. With New York, we talked about. Obviously, I'm from there. It's it's always, you know, a great vibe being in the city. Uh, the Mets are really, really good, as we know. So that was, you know, an interesting time seeing that team up close with DeGrom and Scherzer, the old-timers game, stuff we covered. Uh, Atlanta, same deal. Atlanta's really, really good, man. And I don't know if they may be playing better than anybody uh, in baseball right now. And then, then of course, Cincinnati, it does get long. I mean, at the, at the end, you're like, okay, it's time to get back home. And, and now that we're talking about it, I'm looking ahead and going, Oh boy, we're going out again Sunday. And that'll be interesting because we're in Chicago for the entire, uh, week, but you, you get, you get used to it. It is what you do. Um, but you know, there are times where you go, okay, man, it's time, time to get home, do some laundry and, and, uh, you know, settling back at home in your own bed, so to speak. Well, I, I imagine you don't have to answer this. That was the situation on on Sunday. Not only do you have a Cincinnati Reds team that has some names on it that you go, all right, this is a this is a big leaguer, but you had to wait around all all night on Saturday before they finally called it. You know, you, you basically waited an entire game and then some, and then oh yeah, come back to the ballpark and and we're gonna play two and make up for it. And 
Uh, there's there's no compensation. You don't you, you don't get that time back. It's just lost. That's that's difficult. Uh, you don't get the you don't get the time back. You got to watch a Cole Swindell concert uh, under a highway. Basically, it's it's really under an overpass. I keep saying under a highway, but between Great American Ballpark and there's a basketball arena that's been there a long time next door, and there there's an overhang and and that's where they held the concert. And they played it on the big screens inside for the people in in the stadium. And there was probably under that, I don't know, three, four, five hundred people, not a ton. And and here's Cole Swindell, you know, um, a big country act, and and he was doing his thing. So I went down there. We all did for uh, for a little bit and watched. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was a different night. It was a different night. Yeah, that, that's an interesting atmosphere to take in a concert for someone who's a, a pretty pretty big act there, too. So Yeah. It's also, Patrick, you know this because you're from the East. It's virtually impossible to go through New York, Atlanta, and Cincinnati 10 days and not have at least one rain delay or one rain out, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Or, or or a day in the, the high 90s with humidity where it just feels like a hot blanket being thrown on you. And you kind of – it sounds like you guys invo- avoided that a little bit. So that was – Yeah. A- Atlanta wasn't bad at all. And, and New York was uh, – we had good – we had, as I remember, you know, I thought that weather was great in New York. Yeah. We'll talk about the new rules coming up in 2023. Your guest uh, for this week's Drew Goodman podcast, which was a fantastic one. A guy who's – doing some things on a historical basis because of uh, the position he plays both in the field and, and more importantly uh, at the plate. But on uh, Thursday, we did find out Kyle Freeland was nominated as the Roberto Clemente award winner for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and I think that was, uh, you know, really fantastic for a guy who's, he's been Mr. Denver, Thomas Jefferson high school opening day start. And uh, he, he's been there. He's, he's been posting as far as, going out there each and every day. He's one of the few guys who hasn't been on the IL for the Rockies in that starting rotation. So that was uh, really nice to see him uh, get a nod as the Rockies nominee for the Roberto Clemente award. I would think from a player standpoint, that that's something you're, that you're super proud of because it speaks to, you know, who you are beyond what you do on the field and how committed you are to the community that, uh, you know, that you live in. And for Kyle, as, as we all know, and as you pointed out, th- this is his community from the time he was born. And, uh, you know, he and Ashley do a lot of things and, and have done uh, some great work with, uh, with Special Olympics. So good for him. That's, that's quite an honor. Yeah, the, one of the coolest parts of it is, uh, I found in, in his comments was, you know, that Ian Desmond was very much an inspiration. In fact, I think Desmond was the Roberto Clemente Award nominee last year, even though, you know, we hadn't seen him suit up for the Rockies in 21 or 2020. But again, his work in, in his community down in Florida has been unparalleled. And that has rubbed off on, on guys like Kyle Freeland in a big way. Uh, I'm sure it did. I mean, Ian Desmond, I, I know, was a polarizing figure, um, I, I guess, to fans on the field because, you know, they always wanted more. And, and, I, and I get that. Uh, but Ian Desmond's always been one of the most philanthropic and hands-on people in whatever community he was playing in, most notably Washington, and even, I'm sure, for the year he was down in the Arlington area. And we know, uh, even though he only played three out of five years, as you noted, Patrick, he was the uh, Roberto Clemente nominee even when he wasn't playing. And I believe, we'd have to check this, 
he was the multiple nominee. He was a nominee on multiple occasions in his five years with the Rockies. And he has a presence to him. You know this because you were around the club. Uh, Ian Desmond is one of those people, I think the, the easiest and, and most convenient way to describe it is that people talk the talk and, and some people walk the walk and he walks the walk. And I understand it why I'm sure it rubbed off on Kyle Freeland, among others, you know, how he conducted himself and some of the things he did in the community. So, you know, if that's your lasting legacy, um, that's, that's not a bad thing either. Right. Yeah. That goes, that, that cuts far deeper than, you know, what you hit and how many runs you drove in and that sort of thing. You know, and, and this, this nomination isn't just uh, this culmination of, well, all right, I decided to sign an extension, so I'm going to be in Colorado, so I might as well give back even more. Like, he's been doing this for a while. Like, yep. this is something that that even goes back to, as, as he mentioned, when he was in Grand Junction, you know, in, in rookie ball. Like, his, his host mom, um, which, which he, you know, gave a nice uh, shout-out to there, um, you know, was someone who was a part of the organization, Carmen Brown. So, I mean, he's been doing this for a while. I mean, he spent an off day uh, in 2018 there as a as a sophomore with the Rockies when he was up in Seattle visiting Special Olympic Colorado athletes. So, uh, and the thing he did in, in the off season, which we've talked about it, and it's still, you know, an all-time item that you think if you got a man cave or an office, that shadow box of all 12 players in uh, who who debuted or, or played in 2021 in MLB from Colorado, all those baseballs signed, you know, with the flag of Colorado in the background, like that, that all goes into this. And so Kyle is very deserving of it. So I was really happy to see that. Yeah, it's great. Um, that's, um, as I said, it's, it speaks to who he is, it speaks to what he's about. And we see the passion he brings out on the mound and he's bringing that same kind of passion uh, along with Ashley to Special Olympics. Yeah, this weekend uh, will be interesting at the ballpark. Friday, of course, is uh, bark at the park there for everyone uh, who who enjoys that day. Fist pump there from Mr. Drew Goodman. That will that's always entertaining. Uh, I feel here's, bad for the folks that have to walk around with the shovel, though. I mean, yeah. Well, here's the here's the bummer because I think it's Spilly's finest hour. Typically, bark in the park day, and Spilly has he's off air today he's got a prior commitment and so he will not be with us tonight at at bark in the park night which i think is tragic because no one relates to dogs and probably speaks their language (laughs) more fluently than spilly i mean i try i i would love you've heard me say this i've said this on television um i say this in my everyday life Dogs are my favorite people on earth, unequivocally. So I maybe I'll bring bring my dogs to the game tonight. I don't know how that will go though. I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to convince you to get that in the booth. I mean, you, you gotta have a dog in there somehow. So if Spilly's not gonna be there, you know, you've got that puppy energy. Yeah, you, you're gonna have to balance it out somehow. I wonder if it that would be awesome if we could just bring dogs to the booth. I may t- I may when we're done call my producer tonight our producer and um and see if she's up for having dogs visit the booths and spilly can't interact with all the dogs out on the concourse 
See, I was worried there might be some people who tune out tonight knowing like, oh man, I, I, I want to see Spielborgs talking and interacting with the dogs. He's not going to be there. Uh, maybe I'll tune out, but now they're going to tune back in because they got to find out is Drew Goodman going to bring his dog into the booth. That could be a first. Has there ever been a dog? Um, there, I don't know if there's ever been a dog in the booth, um, but I'm all for that happening tonight. I am so all for that happening tonight. Put uh, put a headset on the dogs, for goodness sake, right? Stay tuned. All right. Well, right. there you go. Do you remember a couple of years ago, we come back from commercial break, and there was a dog that was lying on its back. The big, it was a big dog, too. And he had all four paws up in the air, right? So um, our, our camera person then slowly pans next to this dog on the concourse and there's spilly lying there next to the dog with his feet and his hands uh, in the air it was perfect i do very much remember that i think i think uh for a year or two after that uh not incident but after that event and after that moment i think that went up on the bloopers on the blooper reel you know when they show funny moments or fans yeah. doing things late last year there was a fan who chugged their ice cream cone or just shoved the whole thing in their mouth i thought that was going to start a trend and it and it didn't but everyone after him on that game just shoved their, the remainders of their ice cream cone in their mouth. And so that was kind of mildly entertaining. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't recall that one. But um, um, yeah, Bark in the Park night. Big That's one. it. It, it could be a memorable weekend on Friday. It's uh, Zach Davies versus Edmund Marquez today. Uh, Madison Bumgarner versus Jose Urania. And then what could be the icing on the cake you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history in any way, but Zach Allen uh, against Ryan Feltner. Gallon has 41 and a third innings pitched scoreless. Uh, a nice little streak going there, man. He's been pretty impressive. So that'll that'll definitely be some must-see TV. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this Arizona series um, because Arizona is, you know, they're in the same boat the Rockies are. They're they're under 500, but they've really come on in the second half and over the last month in particular. And they've, you know, they've moved way ahead of the Rockies, obviously in the standings, but they have young guys they're bringing up and, and some exciting guys and they're getting, uh, you know, great pitching from gallon without question. That'll be fun to see on Sunday. See if the Rockies can break that stretch of, that he's got going. And, uh, you know, Merrill Kelly, who we won't see has pitched. Well, Zach Davies has always had the Rockies number. So this will be a challenge for Colorado, but also seeing some of their young talent uh, that, um, you know, that's been on display for the Diamondback fans over the last, um, oh, half a season. Jake McCarthy's had had really strong impact. Dalton Varsho, who's been up now for a couple of years, he's swinging the bat well. And, uh, you know, Carroll, who they just brought up, has, has been really impactful. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of singles become doubles because of the size of, of the outfield there, the, the, the expanse of Coors Field. But Corbin Carroll, I mean, there's going to be a couple doubles that could end up being triples. There was a highlight of his first home run. I was commenting on our guys down in uh, Phoenix, PHNX Diamondbacks. If you go back and look at the clip of his first home run, you see the ball go over the wall and then it pans back to him. He's already at second base. He's touching second base as the ball's flying over the fence. Like, that's how quick he is. So... Uh, he's an exciting player to watch. Uh, Dalton Varsho, you know, really good defensively in the outfield, but has a lot of versatility. A lot of those Diamondbacks guys uh, are, are versatile, so they'll be able to bounce around and play the matchups. They also take a ton of pitches. I think they might lead all of Major League Baseball right now uh, with, uh, with with taking pitches or seeing pitches. So, I mean, that's going to put a little pressure on uh, on the Rockies starters there a little bit to, to make sure they're throwing strikes and doing so early. 
Yeah, and I like how it kicks off tonight. You mentioned that Herman has the baseball. The Rockies have won four of the last five for Herman. He was the the bright spot uh, on the road trip. Not that they pitched poorly; they just didn't hit, as we know, on the road trip. But you know, Herman had that that great ball game and kind of outdueling Max Scherzer when the Rockies won in New York, one to nothing. He beat the Reds the other day, seven innings, just a couple of runs. So he he's in a better place than he's been all year. So I'm looking forward to watching him uh, throw the baseball tonight as well. Yeah, he he won. Uh, they won three games out on the road. He won two of those three games. So uh, you're right. Marquez is the right guy to have on the mound and, uh, and the right guy to be watching tonight on AT&T Sportsnet, which we will have up. And you can watch on a countless number of televisions, 55. I'm not even sure how many we have. But tonight is our grand opening, grand reopening of the DNVR bar on the corner of of Colfax in York. And man, members. Uh, we, you had a really good deal before you get actually get 15% off your bill. Like if you're a member to the DNVR, which if you're not already 50 cents for your first month, boom, you're getting uh 15% off that, that bill there. Uh, and that's not just grand opening. That is, uh, for the foreseeable future, you get price breaks on those Broncos tailgates. They'll be back home, uh, in no time after that Monday matchup against uh, the Seahawks in Seattle. You'll, like I said, you get price breaks on the tailgates, any of the party buses we got going on. So make sure you're checking out the DNVR com and if you want an annual membership you're actually going to get a free shirt with that along with all the other great perks that we have and vodka tv they've they've got plenty of great perks because they've got altitude sports you can listen to our buddy here drew goodman calling the games you can uh, watch the the nuggets and avs on uh, altitude sports you can get the nfl network it's the most regional content for the lowest price for sports in all of colorado it's evoca tv in crystal clear hd as well uh, and they do it using less broadband or rather less bandwidth uh, and you can enjoy over 60 entertainment channels including news movies and more you can turn your home into the ultimate game viewing zone you can even stream your teams from your phone laptop tablet when you're on the go you can also add on a discounted Sling TV bundle to get ESPN and more. Vodka's only $25 a month, plus a $5 receiver fee right now. Colorado sports fans get $10 off per month. For your first three months to score this deal, go to evoca.tv slash Colorado10. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash Colorado10. No contracts, no catches. Evoca is TV made for champions of the remote. Football season is back, and Mile High is ready to see what this new-look Broncos team has in store. And you know Breck Brew has you covered with the hometown craft beer of the Denver Broncos, Broncos Country Pale Ale. Show off that colorful Colorado legacy with the Orange Crush logo and 100% Colorado ingredients. This will be your go-to for football season. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com. To find a Broncos country pale ale near you. All right, well, we got to jump into these new rules for 2023. They've been approved, not by the players exactly, but hey, they are only a small part of the the committee. We're going to get bigger bases. We're going to get a pitch clock. We're going to get no defensive shifts. The bigger bases is pretty straightforward. Uh, 18 inches all around there. Uh, but the uh, the pitch clock and the defensive shifts, there's some specifics in there. Overall, I think it's going to make for better play. Do you uh, you kind of feel the same about that for next year? The the pitch clock doesn't bother me in the premise of, you know, get, get on the rubber, get batters in the box and, and keep it moving. So I'm all for that. The limit on, on picks at two and then the third one, that's messing with the game how you play the game so if you if you pick twice 
the runner can just go. Right? He knows he knows you're not going to pick again. Now you can hold and freeze his feet, and and so, uh, but it, it's kind of taking the ability of the pitcher if he wants to utilize the pick to additionally curtail the run game away. And I, I kind of have an issue with that one. I don't know. That was that the strangest one that very... came out. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that one was a strange one. Yeah. To see that. I, I'm not slip with that. Because it's very yeah, unusual. I don't, I don't... That pick right. times in a row, but you, you still should have the right to do that. The ability to do that. I don't think it's Ken, close. You just got to get him out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, right. And, and if he's not out, then, then you're screwed. Then, uh, then the runner uh, will uh, move over to uh, to second base there. Uh, and it's it's. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, so, I don't like that one. The bases being bigger, it may not sound like a lot, but now you're six inches closer, three inches on either side to second base. And there's so many plays that are bang bang. Right? We see so many reviews. It. This isn't a bad thing in that it's going to maybe, maybe, we'll see, open up more teams to to run. And I think the stolen base is an exciting play that isn't utilized enough. Certainly in Colorado, it's not utilized enough. The, the Rockies don't have a team fleet of foot uh, across the board. But, um, you know, may, maybe we'll see more of that. And I don't think that's a bad thing. The shift, I've gone back and forth on, Patrick, because – you know, as a manager, you should be able to to place your defenders any place you'd like to to place them. They're your chess pieces, and now you're limiting that. However, we know how offenses have been limited, and the three true outcomes: it's a home run, a strikeout, or a walk. And maybe we'll see more action on the bases because you can't have three guys on the right side for every left-handed hitter that comes up. So I'm, I'm okay with that. It, it, there's going to be nuance to it in that you'll see, you know, guys messing around with, you know, they'll be to the shortstop side of second base, but maybe as soon as the pitch is being thrown, you know, they, they scamper two or three strides. So it's, you know, similar to what it is now. It does take away the ability to have the, you know, the Rover, right? 20, 20, 30 feet out into right field. And you have like a Daniel Vogelbach who pulls the ball a lot, but doesn't run real well. And so you can throw him out from short right field. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it, how it looks for real. I, I think, so many people who watch the game and love the game and are traditionalist and uh, in many ways resist change. And then ultimately sometimes they find out, Hey, this change helped the game. Like I like the, the California tiebreaker rule. You and I've talked about that, Patrick. I, I have come to, um, I want to say come to, I mean, I, I was all for the wild card and now I like the fact that there's a third wild card. I think you keep more teams in it. It hasn't hurt the other sports. It hasn't hurt the NBA. It hasn't hurt the NHL, uh, the NFL. So uh, I, I am for that. The, these ones are unique, though. These ones are unique. I think there's it's just going to be a major domino effect. And, and the pitch clock business, I think, is the thing that 
could have the most lasting impact in in some ways. You know, first off, pitcher health, right? Injuries. Guys are trying to take those extra five seconds, whatever it is on the mound, so that they can throw 100%, blowing their arms out, right? Because, you know, speed and, and having that velocity is so important. Now when, you know, it, it changes the game just a little bit. It, it changes uh, your approach now with having there be infielders required on both sides of the bag. So now you're going to be pitching to guys differently rather than just say, hey, I just got to throw on the inner half of the plate and force Charlie Blackman, you know, to hit a ground ball to the right side. Now, you know, you, you maybe you don't want him to hit a ground ball to the right side. You also have runners uh, who in the past, you know, uh, I, I spoke to them when, you know, the Rockies numbers were, were down earlier in the year. They're still down uh, overall compared to the rest of the teams. But one thing that I hadn't considered that some of the players brought up was like, you know, there's an injury impact. You know, every time you slide and you're diving in head first, or even if you're sliding feet first, you know, that that's, there's gonna be some wear and tear on that. And for guys who do dive head first, there are some injury issues. You see guys with those little mittens on their hands. And so now with there being a little more real estate over on second base, now they're going to you know be a little bit safer going into the bag. We're also, uh, we might have less reviews at second base. Those plays of the guy, you know, kind of just sweeping his foot off the bag or, you know, just being off the bag just a little bit because there's only so much of it and you want to try to reduce that contact. Now maybe there's room for both that, that guy who's stealing to slide in safely and the second baseman or shortstop to be on the bag and, and make that play. And now we don't have a, an extra review there in that. So uh, it's going to have a lot of uh, interesting impact. And it's something that like all off season long, like you said, we don't know what it's going to look like. It's it's just pure speculation, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for the next uh, few months until we really start to see it in action. The great late sports writer Red Smith, I believe, wrote that the most perfect distance in sports was 90 feet between the bases. Well, it's no longer 90 feet. It's 89 and a half feet. Right. It's kind of interesting looking at it that way. I, I think with the pitch clock, specific to that, Patrick, the area that we're going to see or, or the, the people that's going to impact the most are the handful of people and usually relievers that do take a great deal of time between pitches. Alex Colomay, it's going to affect. I don't know if Alex Colomay is back with the Rockies next year. It was a one-year deal. Wherever he pitches next year, Guys like that. You think back to one of the better relievers, um, you know, the Rockies ever had, Rafael Betancourt. Betancourt took a lot of time between pitches. It'll affect those guys. I think most guys already throw somewhere inside of the, excuse me, the framework of 15 seconds when there's no one on base and 20 seconds if there is somebody on base. Um, but also how you train when you're throwing a bullpen. When you are throwing a simulated game because you're coming off the injured list or you missed a little bit of time, you have to factor that in. Pitching coaches are going to have to say, hey, you got to pick up the pace because this does not truly simulate what's going to happen when you get uh, on the field. Uh, I'm for that. Um, I do think there has to be greater brevity uh, on average to the games. I do think it will help um, keep people you know, involved um, sometimes with, uh, I I've noticed when, when the games, whenever a game moves along, you know, it's a five, three game or a five, four game or a four, three game. You go, wow, that was two hours and 47 minutes. It, it feels different than when it's three fifteen. because not saying there can't be great, great games that are three and a half hours long. We've seen great games that last that long. We've seen a lot of games that 
didn't have a lot of drama to them and lasted close to three and a half hours. So um, I've gone back and forth, but uh, I'm okay with that. As I said earlier, I'm not okay with the, the limit on a number of times you pick. For that reason that you just mentioned, Tuesday night's ball game, for all its excitement, for all 17 runs that were scored, that could, that's the game of the season, right? Three hours, one minute on Tuesday night to come from behind the walk-off by Randall Gritchick. So it had all of that action. And you you look at your clock and go, wow, that, that didn't like totally kill my night. Like three hours, almost exactly on the nose, 17 runs that come from behind. Like that's a good sporting event that is entertainment and i think i think we're going to get get back to that a little bit more for for baseball more action too yeah and, and you know it's i look at it differently i'm just this kind of popping in my head right now patrick um the nfl and and college football especially a few years back they were doing things to shorten the game there was you know the game time wise takes me long so now they have a, more of a running clock college football every first down it used to stop the clock. Now they reset and they crank the clock up. And it was always, we, we got to get these games moving. And I always said to myself, I put my, just like this, I put my hand on my forehead. I said, America loves football. And football, as we all know, you only play a relative handful of games, 12 in the regular season in college, now 17 in the NFL, um, up, up a game and probably go to 18 in the not too distant future. The point is they don't play many. I don't recall ever hearing someone, at least that I'm uh, around, say, boy, oh boy, man, this game's taking too damn long. I, I'm just, you know, I'm up in Boulder and, and the game and the tailgating took too damn long. It's, a, it's an event. Football is an event. And so I never understood why you're always trying to trim plays off a football game. We love it and we don't see enough of it, right? But in baseball, you play so many games. It's day after day after day, which is part of the beauty of the story of baseball and the unfolding of, uh, of you know, how uh, a season plays out. So I understand trying to get more crisp, as Vin Scully would say, two-hour and 30-minute games in. Uh, I get it there. I never understood it in football, but um, I do understand it in baseball. I had to get off on that tangent, though, because sometimes – shorter does not always make it better yeah no that that's very much a a, a fair point uh we we like that we like the shorter end of game like with the runner on second base again just kind of absolutely that lops off sure. those things regular season and, and yeah we you and i are lockstep in that postseason hey that's different if you can't put a team away in nine innings and you got to blow through an extra four five six innings of your relievers well that's an advantage that the team that plays you in the next round gets to have and they deserve it because they did their job so good for the regular season not so much for the postseason you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth if baseball goes away from the the california tiebreaker they're talking out of both sides of their mouth if you're worried about pitchers health you can't have the occasional i know they don't happen every day or every other day or even once a week but once every 10 or 12 days you can't play 14 15 inning games if you're truly interested in pitcher's health and if you're interested in time of game because those games just because they go 14 or 15 innings does not make them you know compelling and we just saw the other day i couldn't believe this patrick on i'm losing track of what day it is today's friday so wednesday in the finale against milwaukee who's fighting for their playoff lives they're down eight to two at coors field the the Best offensive park in baseball history, right? 
they're down eight to two in the eighth and they have a double header the next day and they say, screw it. They throw a position player. And the night before they watched the Rockies score five runs in the eighth to tie it. Anything's possible, but they threw up the proverbial white flag. Um, I, I just hope with the Cal, I know we weren't talking about this, but with the California tiebreaker rule going back to three days ago, the Tuesday game that you alluded to, 10th inning, Milwaukee scored a run the top half of the inning. Now you have strategy. Well, the first pitch, uh, Daza ties up the game with a double to bring in a run. Now, all of a sudden, Milwaukee has to go into defensive mode because that guy at seconds the winning run. Now, do the Rockies, do they sacrifice him over? How are they going to play it? So, again, you've heard me say this before. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And if baseball is, is truly going to be consistent – in terms of the health of um, pitchers, in terms of time of game, they need to continue um, going forward with the with the California tiebreaker rule. One of the other wrinkles with the uh, the rules that just got approved on Friday with the uh, the pitch clock, and I'm not sure if actually this is considered pitch clock or, or shift. Actually, it is pitch clock. Is uh, teams will get an extra mound visit. If they need, if they use use their five mound visits before the ninth inning, they get an extra one there uh, in the ninth. And I mean, I know we don't have a clock in baseball, but that's that serves as a timeout, right? That's just hey, let's get the pitcher to, to catch his breath just a little bit, kind of re-strategize, reorganize. Is I don't know if you read this at all. Uh, I, I've been trying to uh, jam as much information as possible, but it almost sounded like there there's even a clock on when the manager comes out. Uh, of the 30 dugout. Second. It's 30, 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not a 20, it's a 30. Yeah. We'll start jogging out now. <laughs> um, there's some guys that like Buddy looks okay if he jogs, right? There's, you know, some other guys that probably don't look as good jogging. I'm trying to think of who that guy would be. These Pujols, Pujols doesn't look good running. So, I mean, he doesn't look good walking either, but yeah, but he, the only time he went to the mound was when uh, Molina was pitching. Remember that? <laughs> That's right. So, um, yeah, that's fine. And, and the whole, the, the whole um, mound visit thing, I pay zero attention to that. I don't, I don't know if I've ever mentioned, ooh, that's the fourth mound visit. I don't think I've ever uttered words like that because it's never come up in a game since they, they implemented that rule. Never comes up. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, I think uh... – there's no review on the on the pitch clock business, uh, which is probably good because you know there's yeah. no bickering about that. Yeah. Um, and and the one thing you said before about uh, you know the shift and see how teams kind of work. I think there is basically you know a, a rule in there for if the umpire at the umpire's discretion if they think that teams have worked around it somehow. If like if you put the shortstop in motion, you know the uh, pitcher's in a windup and then he's running it to the other side on second base you know, the umpire can uh, call a ball or the team will have, you know, if, if a guy puts a ball out and play, you, you know, the, the team will decide, you know, what, what outcome they want to have on that. You also can't switch your second baseman and shortstop. Yeah. So you can't say, Hey, I'm there's fine, uh you know, three left-handers up. I'm fine with that too. Yeah. That's all good. They tried to figure out every possible way that a team could take advantage of it and make sure that teams couldn't take advantage of it. So that, that works out. All right. I, I, I find that to be, overly analytical when it gets to two strikes and now you flip if you had the shortstop over on the right side you flip him back 
because he's got a little bit better range than your third baseman. And now your third baseman baseman goes over to the right side. Um, yeah. In soccer, they they track how far the players run because they're they're jogging up and down the field. And and again, there's some there's something to that. And you say, all right, well, at this minute, or depending on how far the guy has run, he could be a little bit tired if he's a little bit older. I imagine, and, and I've I've seen the technology at Coors Field, at other ballparks that I visited, uh, proprietary information where they track, you know, the ball in the infielder. So I imagine they know how far a guy has, you know, jogged. And again, if you play left field at Coors Field, that's there's a lot of steps going back and forth. And, you know, El Harris Montero, he's at third base, to your point. Now he's got to jog over to second base. Okay, now he's got to jog back to third base. You know, there's probably a minimal impact, but uh, there's definitely something to that. Uh, in general, I think I even once tracked uh, in Bruce Bochy's final year in 2019. I forget how I did the math, but I, I somehow calculated all the different pitching changes that Bruce Bochy has made just at Coors Field, and it was uh, it it was over. Uh, it was a marathon. Was it a marathon or a 5K? 5K. Who cares? I'm pretty sure it ended up being 26.2 miles. Just going from the dugout to the mound, I'll have to go back and check that out. But and, and let me tell you what, substantial. That that was not the quickest marathon you've ever witnessed either. <laughs> he wasn't going to qualify for Boston with the boat kind of waddling out there. I talked to Hunter Renfro for a while the other day, the Milwaukee right fielder most days, and he was telling me, you know, when when he comes to Coors Field, he goes, "Man, if I'm up first, the next inning." He goes, it's all I can do to get in, get my batting gloves on and, and walk to the plate and still have my breath. I haven't probably taken a practice swing. People don't realize that, you know, and then you're doing it, as you said, you know, for a left fielder at Coors Field, if it's a home left fielder, right? And Connor Joe, the first half of the year was, was out there most of the time. You're running. I've talked to Charlie about this. When he was playing center field, you're running like an extra mile every game. And people say, oh, well, that's no big deal. These guys are out. It, it, there's, there is wear and tear. There's wear and tear landing, you know, on your feet and, and your joints and the whole bit. And, and that, that does make a difference. It's why I also believe, Patrick, with the National League adopting the designated hitter full time this year, there's really most teams move it around to get guys off their feet, their regulars off their feet, as opposed to saying, you know, this is our, this is our DH every day. And uh, this doesn't get talked about that much, but baseball cleats, they're not comfortable. Like I, if you wear metal, yeah. If you're wearing metal spikes are not, you know, they're not comfortable. I've talked with a few people about that, and I, 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 I probably shouldn't name any brands, but there was a company a few years back that said, hey, let's get ourselves into the cleat business, and anyone who uh, used that company, they always had really, really bad feet, and I, I don't see too many guys doing that anymore. And, and you know, that, that, those uncomfortable cleats could be something that caused an issue like plantar fasciitis and Chris Bryant running out to the field, you know, again uh, – not trying to, to blow anything up with that, but uh, man, it, we've got to get the cleat technology to improve uh, somehow for these guys. Cause it's uh, it's not comfortable. It is not good. Yeah. I, I forget who said it, 
that their preparation for spring training, this wasn't recent, it wasn't 100 years ago, but it was in the last like 25 years, was I, I put my spikes on, I go stand in the parking lot for a couple hours, and then I take them off and I get in my car and drive home or something, because just getting used to being on your feet for spring training in spikes for a while, you know, that, that does take some getting used to. Hmm. Yeah, that uh, that makes me think we we need might might have to pitch something to Shark Tank about you know cleats or there's something you can wear on off days to toughen up your feet just the right way. Well, you, you, get, you, you you know this because you're down there every day. It's why during batting practice and even taking ground balls in the infield, guys don't wear metal. Guys will go out there in in sneakers or maybe turf shoes of some type, but it um, they don't they're not putting. They're not putting the nails on, as they're known, uh, you know, at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. They wait until game time. If you had a a turf, right, the the, the turf that that's out now that's all rubber, and you went with a rubber cleat, is that something? I mean, again, look, if that ever happens, we're thirty years away from something like that. But could you see something like that maybe actually being, you know, beneficial to players in the long run? Well, I mean, most. Fields still have, you know, you when you're on the base pads, you're on dirt, right? So yeah. I, I know this much. Most guys prefer, and again, playing, you know, at the levels I didn't, it, it, I just can't imagine using rubber on, on you know, on, because the dirt's so hard. Pitcher, same thing. Because um, you could slip, you could slip on rubber. And then, then even in the outfield on grass, um, if it's, if there's any sort of moisture, I, I'd want metal on. I really would. I just, I think you're, you're setting yourself up for slippage and, and that sort of thing. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of DNVR. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the golf course. I've actually witnessed it firsthand from our guy Spence there. He loves rocking that, loves the compliments as well. They're a family-owned golf and apparel business based right here in Colorado. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. An innovative product actually allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep your drinks cold the entire round. That is an amazing product. Check all that out and more at pinsandaces.com and use code DNVR to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. And look, if you're starting your day off the right way, uh, whether you're or not you're going out on the greens of a golf course, you want greens in your stomach with one scoop of athletic greens. That's what I start my day off with. I get 75 high quality vitamins with that scoop. I'm getting whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, minerals. I'm getting adaptogens that help me start my day right and make me very alert and creates a lot of clarity before that first cup of coffee gets my gut health in a positive way. To make it easy right now, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you need to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ROC. Those are the first three letters of Rockies. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash ROC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that we've been talking about here for the last two weeks. It makes it's so much easier to score the best deal on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows, and score seats on the 50-yard line, 
courtside, behind home plate, floor seats to a concert. Yes, it's actually possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. If you want to attend to a Rockies game, usually well-attended, probably not a sellout, but still, you can save up to 60% when you wait closer to the first pitch with Game Time. That's true for Rockies games, as well as just about anything that there is a show or event going on for. Bottom line, if you love DNVR, then you'll love Game Time. Best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in our podcast description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, shifting gears. A lot of, a lot of stories here in the final weeks of the MLB season. And the, and the one story that seems like maybe it hasn't gotten enough coverage, I think, you know, we could talk about Aaron Judge and everything he's doing and Shohei Otani maybe uh, also uh, being in the discussion there for, for AL MVP. Dodgers on pace for 112 wins. Pujols, well, Yankees and Mets, are they collapsing? Uh, which one is, which one isn't? But Paul Goldschmidt is legitimately a triple crown candidate. He's uh, leading the National League in, in batting average as uh, the time of recording this on Friday at 328. Freddie Freeman's close. He's four points behind, and uh, Jeff McNeil's 10 points behind him. Schwarber leads the NL in home runs with 36, but Goldschmidt's only one behind with 35. And uh, Goldie does lead in RBI with 109. Alonzo's at 106. And then third is is Trey Turner. So that that's a pretty big story if something like that happens, if, if he is able to do that, especially a guy who's no spring chicken either. Who was the last guy, Patrick, in the National League? I mean, you go back – was it a hundred years or ninety? How, who was the last guy? Medwick or Ducky Joe Medwick? Yeah, who, for the Cardinals, coincidentally. Yeah, and and what year was that? I don't know. I'm gonna say 1931. Uh, so, I'm gonna throw, yeah, I'm gonna throw so that 90, 90 plus years. You're you're right, Patrick. I agree with what you're saying. I don't think it's gotten enough play. I mean, maybe it's getting play in St. Louis. Um, I that is his season is remarkable. And it's been overshadowed by judges' exploits, like, you know, everything's always larger than life if it happens with the Yankees. Um, I, I still believe, I said this, as you know, on my podcast, and it's come up a couple times, that as phenomenal years as judges had, and it's phenomenal not only just because of the, the sheer number of home runs, um, but he's been a really good hitter. He's been he's been clutch. He's been the one Yankee you can count on. It seems like throughout the second half when things have have not gone well um, for the Yankees. But when you look at Shohei Otani, this is two great players. He's two great players. If I said you can have Shohei Otani the pitcher, what would you pay for him? He's he's an ace. There's only yeah. what. Eight, nine, ten, eleven of those guys in baseball, right? True aces. He's an ace. So you're going to pay out the yin yang for that. If I said you can have Shohei Otani and he's going to bat, you know, second or third in your lineup every single day, well, he's one of the elite power hitters in the game who also runs really, really well. He's two great friggin' players, and he's had a great year. Forget the Angels are, are no good. Right. Forget that. The Yankees have been well under 500 since their you know, historic first half. I, I don't know. That's an that's a fascinating one. But going back to your original point, Paul Goldschmidt's not getting enough credit. You're right. 
Yeah, 34 years old uh, when Joe Medwick did it in 1937. He was 25 years old. So, I mean, again, the the, the age element to that, I, I find uh, to be pretty interesting. You know, Arenado is, you know, he's far behind in some of those categories, but he could also be top five, which I imagine would be somewhat of a first, you know, you're having two teammates in top five of those three uh, categories. I haven't, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, Patrick. So it's a fate to complete. Goldsmith, your MVP in the National League. Is Nolan second, or what do you have there? Trey Turner's in the conversation. Uh, am I missing? Am I missing some? I mean, Freddie Freeman's had a great year. Francisco Lindor will get some votes, but I don't. I don't Frank, know that Frank he's. Lindor. I don't know if he'll get a first um, place. What, what about Austin Riley? Austin Riley, maybe some. Yeah, he's he's been good. He's tied for second with thirty five home runs. So uh, he's he's been a big bat for uh, for Atlanta in in the middle of that lineup. So it, it it's probably going to come down to those guys. But yeah, I, I don't also don't know that we've ever seen two teammates go one and two before. Certainly not uh, any time recently. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, Arenado's up to three hundred now going into Friday. So Patrick, that's why I love you, man. You come up with new material every single day, and and that's a great one. The 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 underappreciated Paul Goldschmidt and the fact that Goldie and Nolan could finish one, two in the MVP race in the national league. Wouldn't that be something? And maybe the biggest service that Albert Pujols is doing is he's taking a little bit of attention away from Goldschmidt. No one's bugging him each and every day. They're saying, Hey, let's talk up to Albert. And Paul's like, yeah, go talk to him. Go talk to him. You know what? That's that's another remarkable thing. It's why we love baseball, man. Why we, why we love sports. I mean, I've been watching the U.S. Open every day, and they've had so many compelling storylines, even beyond Serena. Um, but think about what you just said. Goldschmidt having a season for the ages, maybe the first guy since Joe Medwick in 37, right? I want to make sure I get this right when I regurgitate it tonight on television. He could finish one. The former Rocky, who has always been a top five, top six MVP guy or, or many times, he could finish second, one, two. And the biggest story with the Cardinals is neither one of those guys. It's Pujols. Pretty wild, man. That's pretty That's pretty cool stuff. I don't know if St. Louis finishes up at home. But, yeah, if you're, if you're a reporter in St. Louis and Cardinals win the NL Central – I mean, you know who you're talking to. Actually, I don't know who you're talking to because you got Paul Goldschmidt winning a triple crown. That's pretty. That's huge historically. So you're probably talking with him. But hey, you're going to be want to be pulled to talk with Albert Pujols. Could be one of your last opportunities. Maybe he hits his 700th home run. Arenado, you know, a distant third. But hey, what's it like winning your first division? Right, your first division championship there uh, with another great hundred RBI season. Like there's there's a lot of interesting stories there. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw uh, Pujols has three pinched at homers this season. He's, he's doing it at age 42, and there's a reason I'm bringing this up. Only four players have ever had three pinch hit home runs in a season at age 42 or older. Willie Stargell in 82, Hall of Famer. Greg Nettles uh, in 1987. Matt Stairs, probably Canadian Hall of Famer. He did it four times in 2010. And Jason Giambi did it in 2013. 42 or older, three pinch hit home runs in a season. And now Albert Pujols can hang out in that group. Yeah. Uh, real quick, so, so, so does Albert get to 700? Yes. 
I think I think he does. I, I'm not saying just because I want him to. I think he does. I think he legitimately does. He he had the I think the highest what OPS or the highest slugging in August in all of baseball. And we've got Aaron Judge going after the American League home run record. Like it's it's unbelievable. Um, I'm it's writing unbelievable. some notes down here. It, it it is pretty it is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I think everybody wants to see him do that and. He's six shy right now, and there's basically a month left of the season. If you hit six home runs in a month, in a calendar month, that's a heck of a month. It's a really good month. Um, it's not, you know, we see guys hit 10 home runs in a month, get hot, that kind of thing. And But six times six, six-month season, that's 36 home runs, right? That's a lot of home runs. So to hit six and – and for all of us to just say, yeah, he's going to get there, we're basing it on how hot he's been, and he's doing it virtually just against left-handed pitching. It, that's still that's still a long haul, man. That's that's not a given that he gets there. So I hope so. I really do. And I know it's been brought up many times. What if he finishes at six ninety eight or six ninety nine? Does he come? Does he does he sign the NBA ten day contract next year and? You know, try to produce uh, one more home run. That that will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. that will we'll be uh, watching for that. Yeah, that's man, that that's exciting. I want to bring this up too because I saw this in the athletic. Uh, Bo Bouchette had a three home run game uh, against Baltimore the other day. I think it was Tuesday. Uh, his father had uh, Dante never had a three home run game in his career, which I was a little surprised to to learn. But uh, also found it interesting that Bo against left handed pitching. This season had only hit two, and then, of course, hits three all against lefties on Tuesday against the Orioles because, you know what, that's baseball. That's baseball. I think Dante had 16 two-homer games. I think it was 16 or 18. Dougie looked it up the other day when we were discussing it on the air. Three home runs in the game is – three home runs in the game is – yeah. You, you ask all these guys who are the best in the world and ask them at any point in time, did they ever hit three in a game? And I guarantee you 90 plus percent will say, nope, never hit three in Little League, never hit three in a travel ball game, college, high school. Three's That's a bunch. Brandon Rogers said. Brandon Rogers said, he's like, yeah, I, I hadn't done that before. Yeah. That's, that, that's an impressive feat. How many guys have hit a home run from both sides of the plate? In a game, because, you know, I, I don't know if a Rocky has ever done, and we, we can kind of talk about that, but a guy who's got a candidate to be the next one on the list, if not the first one on the list, is your guest this week on the Drew Goodman podcast, Michael Tolia, switch hitting power first baseman right fielder. He's been exciting to watch so far. Yeah, <coughs> he has been exciting to watch. He's now hit one, not in the same game, but he's hit one from both sides of the plate. The one he hit the other day right-handed against Milwaukee, I mean, that was a monster shot. This is a big, strong dude who's really nimble in the field and runs pretty well. I'm excited about him, not just based on where he was drafted and his physical stature, but I think it comes across, you listened to the, to the interview this week on the podcast and you've talked to him on your own without being arrogant at all he's confident. He knows he belongs. He believes he belongs and he believes the best is yet to come. And when I say the best is yet to come, I'm not talking about, you know, the 20 at bats or whatever the heck he has at the big league level right now. I'm talking about what he's 
produced so far in pro ball where, you know, there's been some ups and downs, you know, Hartford, he started to hit some home runs. He obviously got hot in a two week stint uh, at Albuquerque, but I think he believes he can be a, you know, a, 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 an outstanding middle of the order player and he's driven to be. And I found that as I get to know him uh, compelling that he's not just content to get here. He believes he belongs and he believes he can do, you know, really good things. So I, I, I do think as, as people get to know him, they're going to say, wait, okay, this can be, as I've said on the podcast now a bunch of times, who's part of the, um, who, who can be part of the answer to the equation? Who can be part of uh, producing winning baseball consistently uh, in Denver in the, you know, as we all hope in the not too distant future. And it's clearly Michael Tolia is going to be one of those guys. It looks like. Yeah. Besides being able to hit from both sides of the plate, which is going to keep you in the lineup, you know, just about every day. And he, and he spoke with you about that too. You know, it's, that's one of the questions that I, I, I seem to ask him when I talked to him last year at the futures game, which was at Coors Field where he homered. So, you know, he was already familiar with that, at least in that capacity down in the Arizona fall league is like, how do you become a switch hitter? How do you do it? Like you can't take double reps. You can't, if you know, guys going in there for three, four rounds, you don't go in there for six to eight rounds. You just got to have to pick and choose. And so uh, I loved hearing him uh, talk with you about that. But besides that versatility, the defensive versatility he's he's great at first base you know he, he looks very comfortable over there he's made some really nice plays already but being able to play right field i think could maybe even be more valuable when you have you know days in which montero uh, will have to play a little bit of uh first base you know you know crone is is going to be there for for next year as well so that versatility uh, both at the plate and in the field is important uh, in in baseball in 2022 obviously but it's going to be important for the rockies going forward as well It'll be important <coughs> this next month um, to to help determine where they're going and how they're going to construct their roster in 2023. There were a number of holes that were revealed this year, and you can't just answer all of them by saying, "Well, these guys had down years, and they're going to be, you know, 100% better the next year." Will certain guys bounce back? Yeah, I'll give you one: Ryan McMahon, first year of a lucrative deal. Ryan, if he was sitting here with us, he'd be the first to say, boy, I haven't had the kind of year I wanted to have, especially from a, a power standpoint. Um, you know, he, taking pitches and, and working walks, I think he's he's improved dramatically. Um, he, he still makes a lot of good plays in the field. He's made too many errors, he, he'd tell you that. But So can Ryan McMahon, will, will he be better in 23? You would assume so. Um, but you can't just across the board, you know, say, yep, everybody's going to be, you know, 20% better, and that's how the Rockies are going to win 25 more games. It doesn't work that way. So now how do you how do you uh, reconstruct your roster while you're bringing in some of these new guys that, you know, the Tolias, the Tovars, who we still hope to see, fingers crossed, this year, um, you know, in the not-too-distant future, the Zach Beans uh, of the world. How do you, you know, add to that? Or are there trades to be made? You know, do you do you trade? I, I know there's only one year left. A CJ Crone in in the hope of getting, you know, something back that is, um, you know, is useful. I don't I don't know because you but you could say, well, maybe we can let Tolia play first base and right field next year, and move Montero around, utilizing the DH. Charlie's back for another year. 
Um, but you know, th those are all things that I'm that I'm sure are on the board for for Billy Schmidt and, and his staff. Yeah, I love love the versatility. I appreciate the shout out too uh, on the broadcast there with all the switch hitters, the thirty five. I had to get that to you because I, I recognize, hey, Walt Weiss is in the building. Switch hitter, there's not very many in in, in Rocky's history, and and yeah. that was, uh, was a good one. Yeah, you were you were great. You you got it to me quickly. We were talking about it, and you had the whole list there, and I was looking down at some of the notable ones and some of the names uh, I had forgotten. Um, I, here's a guy that I thought of with Michael Tolia, and I mentioned it on television the other day, who was a heck of a, a, a switch hitter in his day, and he wore the number 29. And I never remember guys' numbers, but I remember this guy, Kenny Singleton. So you're, you got, I'm, I'm, we're both in front of a computer. Look up Kenny Singleton's numbers real quick, Patrick. We'll, we can close with this. Tell me what Kenny Singleton did because he was a sneaky, really good switch hitter, and we always gravitate to, you know, the Mickey Mantles, the, the you know, the Eddie Murrays, the historically great Chipper Jones switch hitters. But Kenny Singleton, he's in the Hall of Very Good, buddy. He's in the Hall of Very Good. Absolutely is. Yeah, that three-time All-Star uh, won the 1983 World Series with Baltimore. That was really where he kind of uh, made his name known. But yeah, from 1977 to 1980, 103 home runs, 395 RBIs, OPS plus of 153. Pretty good. Pretty good yeah, to see. What, what, what were the final numbers? How many homers did he hit in his career? He ended up with 246, and he did get over 1,000 RBI. 282 batting average. Also yeah. really good. So, Patrick, does he make our Hall of Very Good, right? He does. He absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, the Hall of Very Good. Now, he's 6'4". Now, I didn't I didn't go all the way back to 6'4", but uh, I had this in an article recently on the DNVR.com. Just looking at not even just the switch hitters, but just switch hitters that are 6'5 or taller. And really, all time, there's, there's only three significant players, and they're all fairly recent. Do you want to try to guess at them? They're they're kind of uh, well, I'm not gonna say obscure, but well, Tony Clark. There, yes, Tony Clark is one of the three uh, current head of the MLBPA. I'm really proud of myself that I got Tony out of the way, and now I'm like I don't care. There's only two others, right? Um, one's a Rocky, and one is old enough where he could be playing, but he kind of uh, it doesn't. You're not counting Tolia, right? No. Okay. Probably the best switch hitter in, in Rocky's history. Nafi Perez has has like half the records uh, for for Rocky's all time when it comes to uh, you know switch hitters. Like he's got, uh, believe it or not, he actually has the most home runs in forty three, most RBI, two eighty one, and most games played. But this other gent from two thousand eight to two thousand thirteen has the most triples, walks. Oh, Dexter Fowler. Dexter Fowler. Dexter Fowler, six five but switch hitter. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Dex actually closer to six six. So Dexter, Tony Clark, Michael Tolia, and give me a hint. One more hint. Was a big catching prospect. Didn't really come to fruition for him. Matt Weeders. Matt Weeders, yes. So as far as like significant, you know, extended careers, those are those are the only guys. So it's kind of again another rarity, not only to just be a switch hitter, but to do it at that height. With all those, uh, with all the length on those levers, can be challenging. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how number twenty nine, Michael Tolia, does moving forward. But I'm excited about him.
yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if he's the best switch hitting first baseman in team history, much like J.D. Klosser is the best switch hitting catcher in Rockies history. These are the kind of things we talk about. Right. And the only switch hitting catcher in Rockies history. Adam Melhus. Adam Melhus. Oh, Adam Melhus. Okay. On the list. And JD that was actually good might dude. Be. J.D. was a good dude. Greg Zahn? Greg Zahn was a switch hitter, I think. Okay. There you go. There and I think Greg, Greg Norton caught for one game. And so did Nafee Perez. Uh, are we going to count uh, him? One no, Nafee was back there for one pitch. He didn't catch. It was a Jerry DePoto slider. He went to the backstop, wild pitch, run, scored, game over. I can't get enough of that box score. I feel like every offseason I have to revisit it from a new angle because it's just just an unbelievable thing. And, again, that's, that's, that's baseball. That's why we love it. Uh, show us some love over on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. He is at Drew Goodman 42. And you got to make sure if you haven't already, I'm preaching to the choir. You probably already listened to it. But if you don't, make sure you listen to that interview with Michael Tolley and just each and every week because it's always good and get those good football takes and whatnot. So it's the Drew Goodman podcast every Thursday. Appreciate you giving us a little bit of momentum here. Goody. Uh, but unfortunately, you know what they truly say about momentum. It's only good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then.